0: You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Welcome to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and joining me today is Greg Jewett, also from FanRag. And this is going to be a fun and interesting show because Greg is going to join us uh, while he is in mid-auction. So I really uh, have a lot of admiration for uh, Greg's multitasking skills. You'll get to see, see those on uh, on display here. So, Greg, how's it going so far?
1: Uh, it was great, except when I was on the air locking in. Castillo went for a cheap price, and I missed out on it.
0: Ah, oh, Greg, sorry to get you started okay. on on a, <laughs> on a bad note. There, you said Castillo. Uh, you, you so uh, you, you missed the missed out on the beef. beef. Ah.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, that is that is unfortunate. So, uh, well, we're going to uh, dig in uh, a little deeper. And, and, you know, as things happen, uh, I hope you, you fill us in and, and we'll you know check in on on your auction uh, as it's in progress here. Maybe you could just give us a little bit of, of background, uh, what format, uh, how deep of a league, all that sort of thing. Um, we started out
1: higher, but we're down to 12 teams uh... I've been teaching with all these years. So this league's been in formation since 2004. Um, we still have a high budget of 350, so some values get a little bit inflated, um, and we all can keep up to 15 with contracts. And then it's a, it's an old CBS league, so every contract year you sign a guy for it adds five dollars to their value. So we, we've right. thrown a bunch. Uh, closer's been going for way above value, but that's normal for the league, which yeah. always
0: speaks to know your room. And we can hear the room, so uh, this is pretty cool. Uh, doing it old school there. All right, well, I'll, I'll let you uh, check in on what's going on there, run through a few news items here. Uh, J.D. Martinez, he has a right foot sprain, and he is going to get an MRI today. So I personally will be watching that one very closely. I'm sure a lot of people will because uh, Martinez, I think, is, uh so far been one of the great outfield values after – a season last year where he uh, had much better plate discipline to add to the, the power skills that he's had for a few years now. So it would be a big, big bummer if uh, J.D. Martinez was uh, going to miss any kind of significant time. But uh, we will we will check in on that. Uh, like I said, an MRI today for uh, J.D. Martinez. And his teammate Miguel Cabrera did not play. For Venezuela yesterday against Puerto Rico due to his back issues, but it's being termed as a precautionary move so that he will be ready for opening day with the Tigers. So no reason as of right now to to be concerned about Miguel Cabrera. Jose Bautista uh, sat out the uh, uh, U.S.-Dominican-Republic game due to a stiff back, uh, also termed as a precautionary move for him. To me, slightly more concerning, Ken Broxton uh, has experienced some discomfort in his right wrist, and that's the same wrist that he broke last year and had surgery on. So, Greg, if I could draw you back in here for a sec. uh, Mm -hmm. Is this something that you're at all worried about with Broxton in terms of uh, draft or auction value, that this could be a recurring issue with his wrist?
1: Um, It definitely could be, especially with the fact that –
0: you know, the, the interest in
1: him is is the power and speed combo, um, and you're talking about him being aggressive on the bases. If he slides head first, we're putting that wrist into uh, areas of discomfort just with the sliding and whatnot. So it's definitely something to track. Anytime something like this recurs, uh, it, it definitely makes you uh, take a little caution. So if you're drafting him, I think you almost have to handicap uh, Lewis Brinson along with him.
0: Yeah, and uh, I think most likely Brinson again, unless this turns into something uh, much worse much sooner, I would expect Brinson to start the year AAA. But uh, yeah, if Brinson's going to miss time, then uh, I think Brinson is the is the guy to handcuff. I think you're right. Any concerns about the first three players I mentioned? JD Martinez, Miguel Cabrera, Jose Bautista don't seem like major issues yet. But uh, are you downgrading any of them?
1: And who says two?
0: So I'm one. Okay. um definitely
1: especially with martinez with the foot um you know the foot things are what takes out uh the quarterbacks in the nfl and something we really want to monitor the fact that he came back in crutches and uh was going to be monitored closely from that point forward definitely uh definitely puts the caution so um you know, Miggy, he's a bigger guy. We, we're not too worried about it. With the extended break, I think he can get back. Uh, same with Bautista being a power guy. I mean, the back things we do have to track. But um, it's just going to be a matter of really paying attention and following the beat writers during all of this and reading everything they have to say. Uh, you know, uh, Cabrera was one of the highest-priced players we already had going our auction because of his name. Um, I, I think people still won't be too afraid of that. But with Martinez's injury history, um, you know, we talk about health sometimes being a skill, uh, that that's probably the one that gives me the most concern of on this group even though bautista has had a checkered history past
0: yeah yeah but uh, yeah at this point it doesn't seem like a cause for concern tyler naquin he was scratched saturday uh due to bilateral <laughs> knee soreness which uh which uh is uh just having soreness of both knees it sounds better if you say bilateral or maybe it sounds worse Bilateral knee soreness, but uh, too bad knees for Tyler Naquin. Uh, I think he's somebody who uh, people have not really bought into after a surprisingly power, uh, you know, power spiked year last year. Uh, Is this just one more reason to uh, look at uh, somebody else uh, as the center field solution there in Cleveland?
1: Um, yeah, I, I I know you and I have kind of discussed, I think, off the air with this. We, we neither one of us was on the Naquin train. Um, as a matter of fact, in my draft champions for the NFBC, I just took Bradley Zimmer in about the thirty-second round. Uh, just for that thing in mind, you know, I, I'm a little more intrigued by Zimmer's uh, defensive ability, uh, his height, and like we talked about before a couple of weeks ago, with his nice, easy swing with the opposite field power. Um, he's definitely someone I would rather target over Naquin later in drafts or in reserve rounds. Uh, with a chance to get that position, maybe not immediately, but down the road, um, with with all of the regression things that Naquin points to, along with these knee soreness issues, uh, it's definitely something to, to keep in mind when you're uh, targeting Naquin. And it's, he's someone that I'm really not after.
0: Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I, I think I was maybe one of the higher uh, people on him coming into because I just, you know, I thought that the the power spike was notable enough. Not that uh, you know, I was 100% buying into it, but it was intriguing, and I think you could certainly you know get him cheaply enough. But uh, yeah, this this certainly does not uh, bode well, I think, for Naquin, and uh, would make me hesitate to go after him, even with, with a late pick. Now, Max Kepler, he is just considered day to day. He's got a pinky injury. Uh, now Pablo Sandoval had a, a really nice game on Sunday, but part of that game was also running over Kem- Kepler's pinky. So, not good for Kepler, but uh, just day to day for right now. Martin Prado, I talked about him on the last show. He's got a hamstring strain, which has now been diagnosed as a grade one hamstring strain. He is not going to be ready for opening day. So, won't necessarily miss a lot of time, but does this move um, Derek Dietrich up your rankings at all? Craig, are you are you with us or are you are you bidding? Oh no, I'm still there. They they took a little break here, so we, we got a moment.
1: Uh, <laughs> okay. Some, some uh, one of my buddy dudes. Obviously, he's probably breaking my ball, so that
0: that's probably what caused the ruckus. <laughs> All right, so uh, Derek Dietrich likely filling for for Martin Prado. Any interest there?
1: Uh, I mean, Dietrich does a little bit of everything. He's got multi-positional thing, but I think you'd have to be in a fifteen team league or deeper to have any interest in him.
0: Yeah. Well, and again, you know, we don't know how long Prado is going to be out, so it could be a very short-term thing. Uh, I think, yeah, those deeper formats, Dietrich would be a nice person to to maybe stream in. And if you haven't drafted yet, maybe that would then require you to actually draft him to do that. I'm not sure it would be worth it, so I, th- I think it's really a case-by-case situation, but I definitely put some a little bit more on my radar. Let, let's uh, break down a couple of pictures here, and I'm pretty sure, Greg, that you're not too big on at least one of these guys, as we talked about a little bit yesterday <laughs> offline. Jeremy Hollickson has been named, no surprise, he's been named the Phillies opening day starter. He'll make a, uh, his first start at the Reds and then come back on the weekend to face the Nationals at home. And Junior Guerra also pegged as an opening day starter for the Brewers in this case. He will get a couple of home starts against Colorado and the Chicago Cubs. So I don't really love those matchups for Guerra. But just thinking not so much week one, but long term, uh, Helixson or Guerra, what depth of league are you making to play for either of those guys?
1: Um,
0: I would take Guerra.
1: I'm hoping for the ground ball lean, and um, you know Milwaukee may be surprising people because they are going to score runs. Um, not to say that the Phillies won't score runs, but I just have a little more faith in Garrett even though um, his his inning pitch may not match Hellickson. I'd rather have the perceived quality of Garrett versus the accumulated possible damage of Hellickson. I mean, Hellickson had a nice year last year, and I understand why the Phillies are putting him at the front of the rotation and kind of take the take the pressure off of the younger guys behind him because he is an innings eater. But um, I don't think that's somebody that fantasy people are really looking to uh, add to their team. So, and yes, I did slight Hellickson when I was talking about watching all these pitchers yesterday online. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, Gara is not a perfect pitcher, but in this scenario, I would take him over Hellboy.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll go the other way on this one. And I, I'm a little intrigued by both, uh, you know, Guerra really coming out of of nowhere last year. I think he pitched in Italy, in fact, a a year or two before. He had a brief stint with the White Sox. It really, you know, I mean, we had a lot of pitchers the last couple of years that have kind of come out of nowhere. But but Gara, I thought, was a particularly interesting story. It got a lot of swings and misses. And I just think if he could just improve his control a little bit and be a little bit more deceptive maybe when he does go outside the zone, he could be a, a, a strikeout source. And that's that's a couple of ifs that I jammed into that statement, but so I, I do think there's some intrigue there. But again, there's some uncertainty. I think that uh, you know there's some up and coming pitchers. I think you know Josh Hader will probably be up sooner than later with the Brewers, and somebody's gonna have to go. I'm not saying it's necessarily Guerra, but it's you know it's it could potentially be a crowded rotation situation there. We know that. Helkson is going to get his innings, as you said, with the Phillies. He did have a very uh, nice second half last year, you know, overall his best season in a while, but a really strong second half that actually did include some strikeouts. So between that strikeout potential and and the innings, as you pointed out, Greg, I'd be more inclined to uh, to go for, for Helkson. Now, recently, you were saying you don't think that uh, you know people in standard leagues would necessarily go for him. I did. And in fact, I got both Helix and Aaron Guerra recently in a uh, head-to-head 12-team mixed league. So, okay. um, so I actually got both of them. And Are they going to be streamers, I, I, though? I, I, they'll be streamers, exactly, which yeah. also means that because they're streamers, that one or both of them could be gone within three or four weeks. Yeah, but that's that's oh, yeah. the nature of for me, especially the way I've played the last couple of seasons, that's <laughs> the nature of it. The the guys that I draft beyond really my top three. And I'll typically wait a long time to get those guys because I know that chances are within a month they're off my roster anyway. So, um uh, you know, but, but I again I targeted them as opposed to some other starters because I think that there is the potential for both of them to be more than that and maybe uh either one could be my number 3 starter potentially. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I certainly didn't didn't pay for them as if I were going to do that. So we got about a minute before we go into break Greg, can you uh g- give us uh, the the uh update on what's going on right now in your watch? So, all right, well, I
1: think they're going about to fire up which is quite all right, but um we've had some interesting uh a lot of uh pitching being paid for early, which kind of surprises me, Um, and high-end bats, which you expect. So um, I I came in here thinking I was going to spend the guy early, and then the prices with the inflation and Keeper League kind of calmed me down. So we'll see how it goes. Hopefully, maybe I'll get somebody alive when we uh, come back in the return segment when we're talking about some of the spring standouts you sent me.
0: All right. Well, and and you just helped me out with the segue there. So we are going to talk about some recent spring standouts when we come back, get the update on Greg's auction. So stick around. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Fan Rag Fantasy Baseball. I am your host Al Melchior, and joining me today, live from his uh, CBS League Auction, is Greg Jewett. So this is a, a first for the Fan Rag Fantasy Baseball show to uh, actually have a draft or auction going on live in real time. Uh, so, uh, Greg, what's what's the latest there? Uh, we still haven't come back from break, but um, I'm going to make sure I try and drown
1: out the background noise so we don't uh, make 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 it so you can't be heard. So okay. fire away.
0: All right, good deal. Well, um, actually, I want to. We did say we we're going to talk about some spring standouts. I want to go back to one bit from uh, the last segment where we talked about mostly injury news. And uh, one that we sort of flew past that I think deserves a second uh, visit, and that is uh, the Max Kepler injury. Again, he's day-to-day, shouldn't be a big deal. But um, I was reminded that uh, earlier in the week I had uh, Brandon Warren from uh, Fangraphs on the show, and uh, Brandon also writes uh, about the Twins extensively. And he made the comment he thought Kepler could uh, hit 25 homers and 40 doubles the season i don't think that was necessarily his uh you know down the middle projection for him but said you know there's that potential there uh greg what what do you think of that does that sound like a uh a somewhat realistic expectation for max kepler
1: i think it could be and i know brandon uh, does great work following the twins so he's definitely somebody i pay attention to when he's talking about that team um uh, some of the guys up on twitter have nicknamed him the kaiser and uh I do like him this year. Uh, I added him late last year in an AL-only league, and he really helped out help my team down on stretch. Um, you know, good at bats. Um, you know, his average wasn't as high as you might like it, but um, there's a lot of potential in his swing. Um, they were already saying he was taking some at bats um, underneath the stadium on the side. So the the finger injury shouldn't be anything that's too worrisome, especially with uh, I think 14 to 15 days till opening day. So definitely someone to monitor and um, he's been moving up every time I'm doing the NFBC draft by almost around each one.
0: Uh, that's interesting. And I wonder why that is. Um, Cause I don't think there's anything, you know, particular from the spring that would, uh, you know, maybe it's just sort of uh, in our industry, maybe hype kind of building on its own. I don't know, but I, I like him a lot as uh, a late round flyer for that power potential that both you and Brandon see as well. So, uh, we're, we're I guess we're not alone in that regard. But yeah, let's get to some of the action from uh, from Saturday. We already talked about Pablo Sandoval. He had a two home run game against the Twins, uh, and as also mentioned before, uh, actually the the cause of that uh, Max Kepler injury. But he's now hitting three thirty three on the spring with a total of three home runs. So he just had the one home run coming in. But lots of reports about Sandoval being in better shape. Uh, his swing uh, looking better this this spring. Uh, I still think that Sandoval, even if you project for him something close to a full rebound for him, the third base has gotten so deep that it's not something, to be honest, I'm paying that much attention to because even at his best, to me, he's maybe a late rounder. Do you see more potential than that for Sandoval? Greg, do we we have you, Greg? I I do. Yes, I'm sorry. Um,
1: last year I was very intrigued by um, Grant. Uh, excuse me, Panda because the the wall should really help him as far as uh, batting in Boston. It's just going to be a matter of um, health with him and how he can uh, handle everything there. I mean, what, the one thing that worries me a little is you keep reading all the stuff from the, the writers and he still doesn't have the job yet. They're, they're still saying he's in a third base competition so as much as the weight training and everything helped him and he's more agile this year um, his manager still hasn't announced him as the starter of third base and I think that's something everybody needs to pay attention to if Brock Colt works a little bit in there and um, there's other people that can chew in and with Sam Devers on tap uh, down the road um, this is definitely something Boston is still monitoring
0: well it, let's say everything breaks right for him though um, I fi- I I personally find it hard to believe that he's not going to get the job, but you never know. Uh, you know, it was a surprise last year when uh, it was Travis Shaw that uh, got the job at the start, but let's say everything this year does break right for, for uh, Sandoval. Are you taking him in a, in a 12 team mixed league? A
1: 12 team uh, Sandoval. No, I think there's too many options at third base and corner for me to really as a reserve guy, I would, but not as a starter.
0: All right. That's fair enough. And yeah, I'm not even sure I would would do that to be honest, but I think if I were particularly optimistic, or if there was really a run on third baseman uh, late, maybe I would. But uh, yeah, I just it's it's been kind of a big story this spring, but I think for fancy purposes, it's not all that impactful. But you know, that's uh, I think you're you're seems like you're backing me up on that one. So let's uh, head over to Tampa Bay and the first first base situation there. They brought in Logan Morrison as a as a late signing, after uh, just a you know a very so so 2016 season, and, and Morrison's really had a, a series of just sort of so so seasons. And meanwhile, there are two prospects coming up through the system there that seem like they're that they're not that far from being major league ready. Jake Bowers hit his fourth home run on Saturday against the Blue Jays. He's now batting 423 on the season. And then you've also got Casey Gillespie, who's having a pretty nice spring as well. How are you handicapping this first-base situation in Tampa Bay? I mean, it's probably not going out on a limb to say that you're not pursuing Logan Morrison outside of some pretty deep leagues, but are you speculating on either of the prospects as a drafted stash candidate? Um you
1: definitely have to, especially in like a key performance that I'm in right now. Um, I think uh, Bowers is getting the race fans attention, especially as they try and uh, salvage some positivity from that trade that they made in the past there. So um, Morrison did have a very sneaky second half last year. So I think deeper, deeper things like the NFBC in the reserve, he makes a basement corner guy. Um, I think that's as far as I would go with Logan, but um I think Bowers is the guy to watch. I mean, Glassby, we, we've seen and heard about him before. Uh, I'm thinking upsides more with Bowers as opposed.
0: Do you think um, uh, Bowers regard. could – oh, I'm sorry. I think you paused there so I thought maybe you, you'd stopped. So I'm sorry. Go ahead, Greg. No, it's okay.
1: I, I agree with that. I, I would rather have the upside of Bowers as opposed to the steadiness of Morrison, but it all depends on the format.
0: Is there a particular comp – that comes to mind with you with Bowers? Cause the thing is the, the power numbers in the minor leagues have been not, not, you know, that eye popping. Uh, and that's something that certainly can develop for him. And I've seen some, uh, prospect, uh, analysts say that they think that that could come for, uh, come for Bowers. But, uh, you know, if you were to uh, speculate on him, like I said, as a draft and stash type, would you expect, uh, How many home runs would you expect? Let's uh, just put out there's an open-ended question. How many home runs do you think?
1: Uh, If he gets called up later in the year, because we know the the Rays really don't rush prospects because they're worried about uh, arbitration clocks and everything else, I would say he could maybe hit 8 to 10 in the second half. Depends on how fast he got up there and all all of their injury things and how they shook out. Um, I'd be willing to go there. I don't know if I would go much higher on the power. I know he's having a nice surge right now, but we also – have to look up who he's been facing in these
0: games. Yeah, that's also you know something that's really useful data to have around. Uh, Kendall Graveman having another nice spring, and I think it was two years ago, right after the uh, the A's got him from the Blue Jays, and he had a fantastic spring. Came into drafts and, and auctions with with a bit of buzz, uh, not as much buzz as a fifth starter candidate will get. But uh, he's having another really great spring. He, uh, against the Padres on Saturday, went six innings, just allowed one run, no walks, and six Ks. And I don't think that a strikeout per inning is a realistic expectation for Graveman. But the lack of walks just overall this spring fits a narrative that would make me give Graveman a second look because the way he would have to get it done to be fantasy relevant is to keep those ground balls coming and to not, not put runners on base. And uh, so far, a 0.87 whip for Graveman to go along with a 2.84 ERA. So what's your level of intrigue on Kendall Graveman? Um, Definitely somebody that is flying way below the radar
1: as as Manaya and uh, other guys in that rotation are getting much more hype. Um, I think definitely the strikeouts, as you alluded to is not going to be something you're really investing in him for. And you have to take it a grain of salt when you're striking out a bunch of Padres. Cause I think that's going to be a common theme this year. Um, you know, stream your pitchers against the Padres is going to be a definitely a uh, popular thing to do uh, in fantasy and uh, DFS, but um, Graveman is intriguing. Um, I think he can handle, he can eat us some innings for you. He's definitely a great stream at home. Uh, that ballpark's going to help him, not only with the ground balls, but if they do get it in the air, it's going to have a hard time flying out of there. So um, as a low-investment uh, upside pitcher with a chance for double-digit wins, I think Graven fits the bill.
0: Now I'm looking at your auction results because you were kind enough to share your, your spreadsheet with me, and I've noticed a couple of uh, ace pitchers, and there may be more here, uh, but what's just caught my eye, mania has gone for five and Sonny Gray has gone for 11. And this runs counter to what I've been uh, saying uh, and writing uh, throughout the spring that uh, Gray is going really late and he's a great value, and especially relative to Mania, who's generating all this this hype. Were you surprised by this, uh, that Gray went for 11 and Mania for 5 in your auction?
1: Well, actually, those were keepers. Um, Oh, okay was a late round pickup and then the owner kept gray in spite of the uh, injury issues. So I think it's had more to do with the price, you know, Sonny's name and stuff. So those are both good prices. So they had to be kept. Um, I don't know uh, how the other guys would go. If if I, if I get a bid on one of the uh, other ace pitchers, I'll definitely bring it up because it is of interest, but um, definitely something to monitor again, uh, that the keeper thing always adds to the inflation, how things go in an auction, you know, how fluid that can be.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one more name here. I doubt. Well, I th- yeah, I doubt that this one's going to come up in your auction. a uh, uh, it's a twelve teamer? You said right. Uh, Sal Romano, who you know in a, in a sort of wide open Reds rotation situation, not a name that I've really read much as uh, a serious candidate, but he's really making the case. And on Saturday uh, against the Rangers, four and two thirds innings, no earned runs, one unearned run allowed no walks, and three strikeouts, and over the course of the spring, that's now 15 and a third innings for Romano, just two earned runs allowed, only three walks, and 19 strikeouts. So very impressive strikeout-to-walk ratio. Is this putting Romano on your, your radar, or uh, are you just kind of waving yeah, this yeah, off as so. uh, you know another uh, spring training wonder that we may not hear from much again? It's hard, but, but one thing that really helps us when trying to gauge these spring training stats is uh,
1: strikeout-to-walk ratio is definitely one thing that you're looking for, and he's shown a propensity to have positive numbers in both of those regards. Um, you know, ERA and WHIP's going to be open to uh, speculation as the season rolls on, but um, as a super flyer, I think he definitely is somebody that, if he hasn't been on your radar, you might just want to tuck him away as, like, your last pick in the draft.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it was very, very intriguing start, and the opportunity is certainly there. Uh, we got one more. We got to head to break. We got one more standout I want to uh, hit on before we uh, move forward. And Greg, you wrote a really interesting column on stolen bases and how to approach that. So I certainly want to dig into that. We will do so right after this break. Welcome back, everyone, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melkier, and joining me today. Live. This is a live exclusive from his uh, 12 team auction draft, uh, Greg Jewett. And uh, so Greg has been uh, offering us some dispatches uh, from the uh, auction as it's ongoing. Uh, Before we get right back to Greg uh, and uh, some of the other uh, analysis from uh, spring training, a few. News items that have just recently popped up. Uh, this one probably one of the least suspenseful news items uh, that you'll have seen this spring. Michael Waka has been announced as a member of the Cardinals rotation uh, with the demotion of Luke Weaver. I think that made it pretty much uh, a formality, but now it is official that Michael Waka will be in the Cardinals rotation. Uh, Corey Seager is uh, set to go through a, a full workout, uh, still dealing with an oblique injury. But uh, he uh, went through a workout on Thursday and uh, did not have any oblique issues. So he's still a possibility for opening day. And Tyson Ross, coming back from the thoracic outlet surgery, he's going to throw a uh, live batting practice on Wednesday. And that will be his first time facing hitters since having the surgery last fall. So, um, you know, certainly... Not going to see Ross, I think, anytime soon. There have been earlier reports. Maybe he could come back sometime in April. At this point, I would think that would be pretty unlikely. But he is making progress, and he will be throwing to uh, hitters next week. So those are uh, the newest, latest news updates. And uh, let's get back. Uh, Greg, uh, there was one... Player I, I did want to talk to in the previous segment. We didn't quite get to him. And that's Jared Parker. And his name's popped up on the show every so often because he's he's having a nice spring. He's the, the front runner to be the left fielder for the Giants. But he's had some false starts before and never really been able to to get uh, full time play there. Saturday gets the Mariners two for four with the home run. That's his fourth home run of the spring. His batting average is now up to three thirty-three. but the, the key stats for me, now you talked about strikeout-to-walk uh, ratios for pitchers. Uh, Parker's strikeout, uh, or rather, I'm sorry, not strikeout-to-walk, but strikeout per plate appearance, eight strikeouts and 44 plate appearances. That's real improvement for him, granted, and a very small sample. But, Greg, how encouraged are you about Jared Parker? Well, it, it
1: appears that he's going to have that left-field spot to himself. Um, you know, you're, you mentioned the eight strikeouts in 44. That that only translates to an 18% strikeout. So, um, with his power, uh, it's intriguing. Now, they're working against him. His his past struggles with strikeouts, along with playing in San Francisco, which is one of the more notorious parks for depressing power. So, as much as you can get excited about, I'm asked Brandon Bell how it feels about power breakouts <laughs> in San
0: Francisco. Yeah, that's a great uh, a great point to make and a good comparison because we waited for years and years and years for that power breakout for Brandon Belt and those home splits always put a damper on that. So I think we could maybe expect something similar from Jared Parker, which could make him maybe not somebody to draft, but even in a format like the one that you're auctioning in today, uh, a possible streaming option uh for those road uh for those road trips for Parker. So uh I'm not totally bought into the idea that he's uh, a great power hitter because, again, we're looking at a small spring sample here. That's where Parker's really got to nail down the the improvement uh, to be even worth being a streaming option. But, uh, you know, especially early on, if it looks like he's going to continue with this progress, then uh, Parker could have a lot more relevance in a 12-team mixed league than I would have guessed, you know, even a couple weeks ago. Well, one thing that you're probably not going to look to Jared Parker for is steals, and that's something, Greg, that you wrote about for uh, FanRag uh, earlier this week. Really interesting piece, and you talk about the the trends for stolen bases, which have overall been on the decline. Although last last year there was a slight rebound, and you talked about a couple of the a uh, couple of your leagues, uh, a CBS league and an NFBC league. Was the CBS league the one that you're currently auctioning right now, or was, was this a different league? Yeah, it's the same. That was that in a twelve-team NFC
1: that uh, I was fortunate enough to win on the last day last year.
0: Congratulations! <laughs> uh, so you're showing that the top four finishers that there's a very clear drop off from first to second to third to fourth in each of these two leagues in terms of uh, the total stolen bases and the and the overall placement. So would I? Would it be fair to conclude from that that you're going to put a very high premium? on drafting steals this spring? Uh, it's, been, it's been kind of based on the draft. I don't know that it's a premium because you see
1: a couple of teams really focused on it, so I'm not going to be racing a team to get 190 steals on my roster. I mean, if that happens, God bless them, they can, have, they can have first place in the category. I think what you're trying to do is make sure you stay in that middle ground between four and six so you're still accumulating points without punting the category. I've never been a category punt guy. So, um, and, you know, usually with stolen bases, you're going to get some uh, runs accompanying with it. But when you get somebody at a high flyer like Billy Hamilton, you also have to account for, again, 19 RBIs last year. So there's no help in that category at all. So, you know, if you get a bunch of guys that can give you a smattering of power with uh, with stolen bases in the pocket, I think it's easier to build your team and keep balance that way as opposed to getting these one, you know, one-trick ponies that are just going to give you a pile of stolen bases, but there's not a lot of peripheral help.
0: Right, yeah, that you know, and, and the other thing too with getting the Billy Hamilton types is that it, it can be overkill. Uh, you, you don't want to be over overly, overly reliant on one or two players for your steals. And yet if you build up some steals in the rest of your roster, given how little they're going to give you in certain categories, it really could be overkill in terms of what they, they offer you in steals. And so I, I find that sometimes these players don't quite live up to their projected roto values. Uh, because you know certainly all those steals are going to you know count towards that uh you know the the, the sgp uh denominations but um but it, in terms of players that have more of a balance how uh how aggressive how much more aggressive would you be for the the Charlie Blackman's AJ Pollocks, uh, Jonathan VR's uh those players with that sort of profile where in addition to uh, maybe thirty plus steals in VR's case. I think probably even quite quite a bit more than that. You could get uh, twenty home runs or at least fifteen. Um, how how much of a premium do you place on those players?
1: Well, sorry, because a lot of those guys you mentioned are almost all in the same uh, average draft place. So you know, Blackman, VR, and and uh, Pollock they're all gone by usually the the third round of an NFBC, and 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 Blackman's. Borderline. He's been in the first round in drafts. Uh, VR's been early second round. So everyone's noticing this because people are willing to reach and move up a little bit to get them because then they can kind of take a breath and say, okay, I don't have to get another guy like a Hamilton or a D. Gordon uh, to give me a bunch of stolen bases because I, I got a chance at double digit uh, power and then I also can uh, get support throughout my lineup within that. So, you know, I'm definitely willing. I'm fortunate enough to own VR in this league that I'm in. So, um, that helps me in regards to navigating it. Now, I have VR protected at four, and then uh, Billy Hamilton went for 32, if that gives you a little perspective.
0: Yeah, well, good. Definitely great value there on VR. Uh, but let's say it's, it's you don't have them as a keeper. Okay, you're just drafting uh, in a redraft situation there. Is it important to you to come out of round three with one, at least one of those players to assure that you're going to get some steals with those other categories?
1: Uh, a lot of it's going to depend on where you are in the draft. I mean, um, I was at the turn, and I had my choice between VR and Correa uh, to go to pair with um, Miguel Cabrera in a 15-team NSBC draft Champions, And I just went with the upside of Correa. I mean, yeah, he's only probably going to get 14 to, to 16 stolen bases, but I just think he bounces back this year and provides the year that everybody was paying for last year. Um, so that was a hard choice for me because then I, I, just, I was like, if I take VR, I'm not chasing steals later. But I think there's enough that you can pick um, as the draft moves along, and that was the whole point of my piece when I broke them up into five-round groupings just to show you that, hey, there's 10-plus projected steals here, there's 20-plus projected steals there. You don't have to make sure you have a 40-steal guy, but at the same point, it also lets you catch your breath and not have to pursue them overly uh, as the draft moves on.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a that's a really uh, important point. Now, last year I was all over AJ Pollock, and that obviously didn't work out well for you know reasons that I couldn't have foreseen in the middle of March. Um, but I, I try to take a lesson from that, and that is not to go too aggressive after power speed guys, because you know injuries do happen, slumps can happen, and uh, you know I I just would feel more secure and I don't even want to say more secure in going after average in, in power, you know, but I think it's just there is there's greater uh uh or there's less scarcity of power. I think that's fair to say. And so you just don't have to reach to the same degree. So my approach this year is I'm not you know, certainly not avoiding steals, but I'm just not gonna reach for them. And, and I'll try to find them during the season because you were able to do that last year with VR, with um, Hernan Perez, with Travis Jankowski. You were able to get you know very cheap steals uh, if you could pounce on these guys quickly once it it uh, became apparent that they were going to perform at a level much greater than what we all expected. Is that an approach that uh, you think makes some sense or is that just, just a fluke of 2016 that we had all these... Power, or rather, all these stolen base sources, just kind of, kind of come out of the woodwork. It's going to be partial. It,
1: a lot of it's going to be uh, pathways, to playing time. Like uh, you wrote down a couple of uh, sleeper question marks. You know, I, I think Malik Smith could could have a Jared Dyson like season um, for the Rays, even if he's only in a part time role. But with all the injuries down there and questions in their outfield, his defense might get him in the lineup more than people anticipate. Um, you know, Jared Dyson's got a full-time role this year. We don't know if he's going to last, but he has solid contact background, and he's not perfect, but he's at a steep dis- steep discount compared to uh, a Billy Hamilton. So, you know, there's guys, and, and even uh, there, there's other players that you can see sliding in later in the rounds so that you can take an upside play and just see if they can give you those pocket-stolen bases that you can stream in there um, if you see the category suffering a little bit for a little upside.
0: Yeah, and um, uh, one that intrigues me, and again, it's, it may be a long shot, but we talked earlier about Tyler Naquin and center field maybe being a, an opportunity for somebody to come in and, and take take that job over. Abraham Malmonte has been very, very efficient with steals. He just hasn't had a lot of opportunities. And if there's any hint of him getting regular playing time, that's somebody who I think could be – a candidate to be uh, the 2017 version of Aaron Perez, but uh, you know, I, I'm going to hold out hope that you're, you're going to be able to find those, those players on waivers during the season uh, so that you don't have to go overboard on draft day. But uh, well, Greg, thank you for the great column and the, and the great insight. We have to head to break one more time. And when we come back, we're going to uh, zero in on what's going on in your auction there. And just talk about auction strategy in general. When we come back. Welcome back, everybody, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and joining me today, live from somebody's living room, is uh, Greg Jewett. Greg, is this uh, event, be this uh, auction that we you are uh, broadcasting live from, is this uh, your house, or uh, is this this an away game?
1: (laughs) Actually we are at the change of pace, which is owned by uh, a former major league pitcher, uh the grilly and his son Jason still with Toronto. So yeah, we uh we hang out here. They got the best wings in Syracuse, New York. So we're gonna we rock it out.
0: That is outstanding. That is very, very cool. I realized that. So um well I'm looking at the spreadsheet that you gave me here. Which team is yours? We've got uh, a row at the top with all the team names. So Oh, I, Which... I am
1: i am alex angels on the sheet that you're looking at
0: okay okay and is this being updated in, in real time so that if i read off who you got this is actually who you have right now or um
1: those are my guys under the draft i have not updated anything in uh, live time but i will give you a couple of players once you're once you're done assessing my team i'll give you a couple of players that uh of interest that came out in the bid to uh, give people uh, a little insight as to uh, are... if there's a bargain or not
0: Okay, now are these all your keepers, or just players that you you got up to a certain point? No, those were my those are my 15 keepers entering the auction. Okay, all right. So the all right, this is uh, Greg, who Greg uh, carried over his keepers, and I'm not going to go over the the um, dollar amounts, uh, but just go over the uh, the roster. So you've got Joey Votto, Anthony Rendon, Carlos Correa, who you mentioned, and Jonathan Villar, uh, Hanley Ramirez in your corner spot. Got three outfielders: Mookie Betts, Nelson Cruz, George Springer. Oh my, that's uh, quite the start to your outfield. Uh, you've got one of your two utility spots filled with Kendris Morales, and then your pitching staff. You've got uh, four starters so far. You've got uh, Madison Bumgarner, Kyle Hendricks, Aaron Sanchez, and Marcus Stroman. And then uh, you've got Edwin Diaz uh, as your one dollar closer. So well done there. That's that's a nice core to start off with. So, uh, what who have you added to that?
1: Um, unfortunately, uh, there's been a lot of spending early, and I wasn't one one of the persons with the most money. Um, I did just add Jadier Molina at catcher for ten dollars, which I am more than happy with. Eight.
0: Okay. Uh, okay. So uh, you know, obviously, you have some. Positions to fill here, uh, you know the rest of your pitching staff, uh, a couple more outfielders, and now still a second baseman. So you've got a lot of your your uh, yeah. roster covered. So, but aside from just those positional needs, uh, are are you coming into this auction today? And I don't know how uh, <laughs> how much you could say uh, in front of your your group there. Uh, but in, in terms of goals, uh, whether it's you know hitter or pitcher or money split or uh, you know trying to to bolster you know certain categories but are, did you come in with any objectives
1: um, the objectives is i usually try and get hopefully a couple of people at bargains because it is a keeper um but you know price enforcement and other things are always a part of the auction and you know uh sometimes if i throw somebody i have to pay a couple of extra dollars just decide so toss them out there although i was shocked i got uh Yadier and Melina at such a okay. discount um it just depends. You know, I tried to trade in people and I tried to do some other things before to get my roster as firm as I could. Um, pitching always is overpriced, so that's why I was willing to – I gave up three, three uh, position players to get Bum Bumgarner, including a, a $1 Carlos Santana. But uh, Rich Hill, for perspective, I have Bumgarner protected at 36 under contract through uh, next year, and Rich Hill went for 41 in our live auction. So, you know, wow. you have to know the room and you have to know your league
0: uh, now, has, um, has your league has surprised you in a way? Oh,
1: I'm sorry. Um, not so much. Uh, Chris Archer went for 45 which wasn't a shock. Um, Jose Bautista just went for $5 more than Chris Davis, which surprised me because Davis being younger, um, I don't know if it's the ballpark effects that people are worried about or just the Bautista name. Um, The first baseman have been going pretty much on where I targeted them to be going at, but I wasn't really reaching because I have Votto, so it's just a matter of perspective. I have have Edwin Diaz and Giles for a dollar. Chapman went for 42, Britton for 35, Blanson for 30. So when I say saves are premium at our auction, that that's something I always try to avoid, especially during the season, adding young closers at cheap cost to try and stay out of those bidding trays.
0: Yeah, that's no, a, a good approach to take there. Um, now, I mentioned before, or asked you before, about the the cost split hitter versus pitcher. Do you subscribe to a, a particular split uh, that you you try to aim for, or just even the concept of a split in general? Is that something that you worry much about? Slightly.
1: Um, it all depends on the. You know, you have to look at the people, and uh, the hardest thing about doing an auction is because you're looking at what other people have spent, have money to spend on. And um, our league doesn't necessarily say that it's 65, 35 hitters to pitchers. It all depends on people's needs. Um, We have 54 pitcher bids up, so pitching is going to be probably a little overpriced um, because people are looking to get the best things for their roster without uh, having to make too much uh, to worry about in the future. So I think actually in our league, the hitters are going to be more of a bargain, which I think is showing itself already in the early parts of the auction you know we're only about an hour and a half in but uh the hitter prices have
0: been much more reasonable than the pitching now you do your own projections and i assume that from those then you derive your your auction values is that is that how your process goes
1: uh yes and then i also adjust to to what's happening in the room you know i i don't come in and say that i you know miguel cabrera's 40 dollars and that's what i'm willing to spend on him It, it all depends on need and the hardest part is especially when you look at the values like from the labor and the other auctions when you're trying to gauge um because our league had the higher auction um, i usually try and use the league only uh prices as my guide but again it all depends on when they come out so you know a couple of people when you look at labor you look at their prices and you're like wait a minute how would somebody pay that for alcides escobar but it was also at a point in the auction where the person needed a shortstop and had money to spend so you know, there's always variance to any of those prices, but uh, using the league only has really helped me navigate the uh, the auction things in here and placing values on guys. And I was shocked. Somebody kept Clayton Kershaw at $55, but, you know, when you see Rich Hill went for 41 in the auction, it doesn't look so crazy anymore.
0: Right, right, yeah. It's all it's all relative, like you say, to the how much money is uh, out there in the auction and, and the timing of when certain players come up. Uh, yeah, I guess you're not far enough into your auction yet to the point where, the, you know there's players that have fallen through the cracks and so they may draw more of the remaining money because of the scarcity um but that's something that you always have to kind of account for uh now, as you get uh, closer towards uh towards the end game portion how do you deal with uh deal with that like are there certain players do you keep a list of of sleepers that you wait you know to to uh nominate at that part or or do you take uh, some different approach altogether? Um, I think in the end
1: game, you're definitely looking for upside and and due to the work that um, you and uh, Jim and uh, myself put in on the draft guide that we have. um, I'm okay with spending a little bit on a couple of people, knowing that at the end I can probably find some bargains, which is how I got Carlos Santana for a dollar last year. He was an end game toss. Everyone was almost out of money. I tossed him for a buck and got him as a utility player. So, it's definitely uh, something that helps and makes an advantage. In the reserve round, we take 15 people in the reserve draft. That's definitely where you can get value, and there's going to be starters in that reserve draft that I can get uh, to allow me to take a chance on maybe an injury player, and then I know I can have that person to plug them in.
0: Yeah, no, it makes sense. Absolutely makes sense. So I'd love to know how you're going to approach the uh, – these positions that you don't have to fill but i don't feel like that's fair to put that on you so you've already got your corner fielder, you've already got your uh your third baseman who's Rendon. if you needed a third baseman right now who would be some of those uh l- later uh players that are still available that you would uh, look to as a fallback for, for third base uh-huh. Um, I'm intrigued by Drury because of the positional
1: uh, multiple eligibility, especially shipping to second base. Uh, I think Healy is someone that could be looked at later on. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, The third base values were slanted at the top, but I think Longoria went for a good price in regards to uh, the comparison to Beltre. Uh, Carpenter got bid up to 37, which I was interested in him, but that got to be a little too rich for my blood. But, But, you know, again, he's a multiple eligible guy too, so... It's going to be uh it's going to be and, and actually it's funny you said that because rendon is an expiring contract
0: so that's something i am going to be looking to fill uh moving forward all right and i think we've got time maybe for uh one more position at this exercise you uh also you got Bado at first base so uh well, I guess we don't, actually. I just heard that we're uh, almost out of time here. So, Greg, thank you so much for uh, sharing your, your auction time with us here. Really appreciate it. Uh, see you at Tout Wars next weekend. Everybody, see you on the show Monday. Take care. Have a great weekend.